0: All right, here we go. Part three, creature of habit. I like to say the greatest day of your life is the day you were born. The second greatest day of your life is the day you find out why you were born. But today might be the third greatest day of your life because today is the day that we get to put to death some of your bad habits. If you're a guest with us, you need to know that we've been in a series of messages about habits and what we've learned from science and research is that nearly upwards of 50% of your day is based on habits. Science has shown that you do habitually about 50% of your day. So if we're going to lead the life of worship that God has called us today, we can't leave 50% of our day to chance. Like the decisions that you're making day in and day out tend not to be actual decisions that you put in your brain and decided for yourself they're actually habits why did you order that chicken sandwich with no pickles why did you buy that quesarito you know like who told you to get dr pepper it was habit. You, you did those things based on habit because it's what you've always done. It was a simply a decision that was formed long ago within a habit loop. And really the big idea for this entire message series is that your habits are the mechanism that are going to lead you to your mission, which means your habits, they're either helping you or they're hurting you. They're either sanctifying you or they're sabotaging you. Your habits are either making you look awesome or they're making you look appalling. Those are the only two options. We know that because of this idea we introduced a while back called compound interest. Compound interest is uh, the principle that small things over time will eventually turn into really big things, like how a penny a day doubled every day for only 30 days would net you over five million dollars. It's compound interest. Compound interest is the idea that a sheet of paper, one thousandth of a centimeter thick. If you would fold that in half 17 times, it'd be as tall as a man. If you fold it in half 25 times, it's as tall as the empire state building. If you could fold a piece of paper one thousandth of a centimeter thick, 45 times you'd get from planet earth to the moon. On your 46th fold, you'd get from the moon back to the earth. That escalated quickly. But that's the idea and principle of compound interest. And Albert Einstein said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. So what you need to understand is that your habits operate on this principle of compound interest. Your habits throughout the course of time will add up into some really big things. The habits you let in are the habits you get set in. And uh, just because something isn't a problem now, doesn't mean it's not going to continue to not be a problem five years from now. Like you got to start making decisions about you, uh, in the future and, and deciding where are these habits going to lead me to? You need to start asking uh, where are these habits going to take me? Because the best news I can give you is that you can change your habits. Like if you don't like the results you're getting in your life right now, then just quit doing what you're doing. You know, you're right. I mean, make, make some new decisions. You can't say this isn't the life I wanted when it's the life you've been living. So you need to start changing some of the things that you do. Today's that day. You picked a great Sunday to come to church because today is a day we're going to make some decisions specifically about our bad habits, and we're going to figure out how we can change them. I don't know what each one of your habits are, but I asked you in the very first week of the series to analyze your habits. What are your good habits? What are your bad habits? What are your missing habits? Where do you want to go? And we talked about good habits. We talked about missing habits today. We're going to talk about bad habits. I made a list of some bad habits these May or may not be things currently in my life, uh, but you might do them as well, so I don't feel bad. Number one, biting your nails, not a good habit, not good for your fingers or your teeth. Emotional eating, not helpful. Uh, interrupting people, knock, knock, who's there? Interrupting cow, interrupting cow, moo, right? You heard that? Uh, interrupting people, it's not a good habit. Don't use that joke to anybody. Uh, didn't go over well here either. So, uh, Another bad habit, story-topping, one-upping people. You've you've been around those people. That's not uh, very fun to be around them. Texting and driving, horrible habit. Stop doing that. Retail therapy, you you feel bad, you need to go shop for yourself to make yourself feel better. That only lasts for like 30 minutes and then you feel bad again. Uh, Being late, horrible habit. Some of my friends tried to convince me it's a cultural thing. They called it brown time, which I found ironic because they were all black, but whatever. I don't know. I'm not concerned with that, but it's, it's a bad habit being late. It's a bad habit as far as I'm concerned. Procrastinating. Why do today what you can do tomorrow? You know what I'm saying? Let's put it off. Procrastination. Not a good habit, though. Uh, foul language. What's that song? I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Well, maybe not a great, not a great habit. Uh, drinking too much, watching TV constantly, being lazy, speeding. Be honest, you drove five over on the way up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and the rest of you are liars, which is also a bad habit. So there you go. Uh, or, or you didn't drive. So, uh, My objective within this is not to make you feel guilty. My objective, uh, because not everything on that list is necessarily sinful or wicked or evil, but my hope is by mentioning some of those things, you can start analyzing what's in your life. You can start asking yourself the question, what are these habits keeping me from? Like if I got rid of these, where could I go in life? Because the danger in all this is where your habits are concerned, they're automatic Research has proven that the part of your brain that is uh, functioning and, and for reason and logic, it essentially shuts down when you start operating in a habit queue. You're not actually making real decisions like you think you are uh, when you start operating in this habit. So th- one of the goals for us today is for us to shift our habit lives into manual overdrive. Like we need to kill autopilot. I titled my message this morning, Three on the Tree, because five on the floor, you know, didn't rhyme, and it just didn't sound as good. Uh, So that's primarily the reason for three on the tree. But anybody learn how to drive a manual transmission? Uh, Wow, that's a lot more than I thought it would be. Anybody learn on a three speed on the column? Oh, man. Uh, If you're raising your hand, you're probably really old, and I apologize. But... It's not, it's not fair, but it's, it's truth. Uh, I personally did not learn how to drive on the three speed. I did learn how to drive on a manual five speed. My parents had a a little bit of an older Toyota four runner, and that's what I learned how to drive on. In fairness, things did not go as planned when I was learning to drive, uh, drove through a closed garage door, popped the clutch, blew it up. Uh, it's not, not good. 20 years later, my parents have still not replaced the garage door, okay? It's like <laughs> some sort of uh, monument to mark the occasion. Even when uh, my kids and I, we, we go to my parents' house, they're like, Dad, what happened to the garage door? And, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm honest. You know, I tell them the truth. Well, kids, uh, Grandpa used to to drink a lot. You know, He <laughs> on the hooch. Side. It's a good lesson, you know, kids. Do not drink and drive, kids. That's what, that's what we need to learn. That's not true. Uh, But my point is, we need to learn how to start manually shifting our habit lives instead of putting it in drive. You know, D means go. That's not the case for our habit lives. We can't jump in the Uber. We've got to kill autopilot. We need to start operating in our habits, and we need to decide, are these the habits I want? Are these are the habits that are going to take me to the destination I want to go? Just to put this in perspective, let me give you an example of how easy it is to let our habits uh, operate our lives and transform our lives and take over our lives without giving it a second thought. How many of you, when you tie your shoes, start with the left lace over the right lace? you'd say, I probably have no idea, Pastor. That's exactly my point. You just tie your shoes. Without giving it a second thought, you just sit down, you you tie your shoes. But I would challenge you uh, at some point this week, just sit down, try and tie your shoes. See which lace you go with first. Try and do it with the opposite lace the next time. Tried it in the office this week. I was like, Emmett from the Lego movie with my claw hands where, I mean, everything is not awesome. No, I cannot tie my shoe. Uh, because the deal is when you don't think about your habits, you just tend to let them work themselves out. And I would be, you know, venture to guess that you haven't thought about how you tie your shoes. That habit has just been frozen in time. Same thing is true with your bad habits. They're a mosquito stuck in ember waiting to create a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's what is going to happen. And what I found so compelling as I began studying this idea of bad habits, researchers discovered a guy who had a brain injury that affected his short-term memory. Literally couldn't remember anything within two minutes of you telling him, right? I mean, it, did it sound like Laurel or Yanni? He'd say, I don't know. It sounded, I hear all of it. And he wouldn't remember the next time. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about that. But, uh, they discovered that the area of your brain that produces habits is different than the area of your brain where you remember stuff. So he still had these habits. Like he would wake up in the morning, he'd go to the fridge, and he would make bacon and eggs and coffee if he saw the bacon and eggs in the fridge. Sometimes two and three times a day because he forgot that he had always done it. But he would operate in this habit cue. As you can imagine, this is kind of a, a, could be a dangerous situation to be in because what happens if he accidentally left the house? And nobody knew it. And he wouldn't remember how to get back. It actually happened one morning. He left. His wife can't find him. She's frantic. She's starting banging on neighbors' doors, asking, have they seen you know, my husband? And she's frantic and hysterical. She ends up coming back home, getting ready to call the police, and she finds him in the living room watching Price is Right, like nothing had happened. She, you know, naturally was, you know, freaked out by the whole thing. So she decided to follow him the next morning. And she discovered that he got up and left the house and walked around the block and took a loop uh, like he had always done in the past. And uh, she told the team of researchers that were, uh, you know, studying this guy's brain. And, and so they asked him about it and they asked him to draw a map of where he walked. He says, I don't, you know, I don't walk. And they're like, well, can you draw us a picture of the outside of your house? He says, I have no idea what my house looks like. He couldn't tell you anything about his house. He couldn't tell you where he walked. He couldn't tell you how he made it back. He just did what he had always done before the accident. So here's the big idea for us today. If you weren't a Christian, when you developed some of your habits, they didn't go away. Yes, a significant change happened when you trusted the Lord as your Savior. The moment you believed in the Gospel. The moment that you trusted that Jesus is who He said He was. That He is God. That He did what He said He would do, which is die on a cross and raise from the dead, thereby being able to cleanse you of your sin. He took the punishment that was due to you because you've been separated by God because of sin. And He bridges that gap because He died and rose from the dead because He lived a perfect life. The moment you understand that is true, a significant change does happen. The old has gone. The new has gone has come, but that all happened in your soul. You see, I guess I could say it this way. We got you out of the sin. Now we need to get the sin out of you. The, the Bible calls that uh, sanctification. And so uh, if you're still queuing up this routine that leads to a reward from before you trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're not functioning like how you are now. You're living in the past. Your bad habits are holding you back. They're weighing you down. They're keeping you from what you can become. Bad habits are like a parachute on your purpose. They're holding you up. They're keeping you from where you want to go. The issue for us this morning, biblically, is we can't really look to the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus, because he lived a perfect life. So it's not like we can just open up the Bible and say, OK, Jesus, what was one of your bad habits and how do we overcome it based on what you do? However, the Bible is not mute on this point of bad habits and how we can overcome it. It has a lot to say, actually. There's another guy uh, in Scripture named uh, Saul, he, he also becomes known as Paul. But he had a really bad habit that he needed to break. Check this out. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, that's what they called followers of Jesus back then, the way, which sounds super rad to me, but uh, if he found any Christians, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? So that he could kill them legally. That's where that had to take place, is in Jerusalem. That's what uh, spewing out murderous threats means. Now I'm guessing killing people wasn't on your bad habit list that I asked you to to create. Anybody want to confess of that? Is a safe place? Okay, that's a lie. We do have police officers here. You would be arrested. But, uh, but, but killing people was was Saul's bad habit. Uh, he says, "I see a synagogue. I find." people who love Jesus, I kill them. Cue, routine, reward. My cue, I go to a synagogue. My routine, I find the Christians, I murder them. My reward, that feels great. But Paul, Saul, uh, gets radically saved, perhaps like some of you maybe were radically saved. We're going to hear some stories at baptism about people who are radically saved. Uh, And God changes His name to Paul. And He changes his bad habit. Gets rid of this routine. Check it out. It's Acts 17. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service. Uh Uh-oh! We know how this ends. And for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures... To reason with the people. Wait, no killing? Nope. Same synagogue, same Christians, same reward, new habit. Jot this down if you're taking notes. It takes a habit to break a habit. Takes a habit to break a habit. It takes one to know one. I know you are, but what am I? If you want to break a bad habit, you need to replace it with a good habit. The good news Scientifically, this is totally possible. The author of a super helpful book I would encourage you to read called The Power of Habit says if you can manually break the components of a habit apart and identify them, which we've already done that in the prior series, there's a a cue, a routine, and a reward. So if you can identify what's cueing this habit, what's my routine, that is the habit, how am I being rewarded? Uh, He says, if you can know those things, you can fiddle with the gears. You can shift it into manual overdrive, kind of like Paul did, swapping out his old routine for a new one. What Paul demonstrates to us is if you can keep the cue the same and the reward the same, you can alter the habit, the routine within the middle. His cue was the same. He saw a synagogue. His reward was the same. Oh, it feels good to do what I've done. He just changed his routine because it takes a habit to break a habit. So for you, instead of buying junk food at the store, how about you buy some real food so when that cue gets triggered up and you feel like you need to emotionally eat, you're having some bananas instead of brownies. You're, you got some kiwi instead of cake. You're, you're helping yourself when you feel like you need to eat. How about instead of habitually biting your nails when you're anxious or stressed, you keep a set of nail clippers in your desk or in your car or in your pocket and, uh, these are my car clippers, these are my work clippers, these are my home clippers, you know what I'm saying? Like these are my travel clippers, I just take them everywhere because I'm trying to quit biting my nails. How about instead of checking the face box or the the instant gram or whatever it is you decide to use, uh, and you think that you need to check it immediately six minutes after you posted a photo because you need some affirmation, You you want somebody to say, I like you, I like you, I like you, you need to see that. How about instead of opening up that app, might I encourage you to open a different app, perhaps the Bible app where you can hear, I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on, somebody. I died for you. Uh, this, is, this is breaking a habit. It takes one to break one. Same cue. I'm not feeling affirmed. I need some affirmation. Same reward. Click. Oh, yes, that feels good. Phone. Yes. Instant. Gram. Me. You see what I'm saying? Like, like change, the, change the routine. It's like brain jujitsu. In real world combat jiu-jitsu you use the opponent's force against them to defend yourself somebody's trying to punch you uh, in the face you dodge you armbar you triangle you know, rear naked choke, any MMA fans, uh, this might be a lost, uh, lost analogy on some of you. So I apologize, but you need to do the same thing on your habits. Use your bad habits against themselves, replace it with some good habits. You say, uh, I'm tempted to light up that cigarette. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hoist Gracie on this rear naked choke smoking. Like you're not getting into my life. Like Ronda Rousey, Armbar, I'm replacing you with something good think about something. Maybe this is more helpful. The only difference between a noose and a lasso is which end you're at. Right? I mean, it's either helping you get the work done or it's it's going to prevent you from doing anything from that point on. The, uh, the same thing is true with your bad habits. A noose doesn't start out as a problem. It takes a little bit of time to get there. Same as with your bad habits. It takes a little bit of time. You need to you need to phone up Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman to come in there and shoot down the lasso. That's a solid Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves reference. Uh, but shoot down the lasso so you can start, or the noose, so you can start using it as a lasso. We've got to figure out what's trying to kill us, and we need to turn it into something good. It's so Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Takes one to know one. Here's the problem. If that were easy, none of us would have any bad habits because after we were cognizant enough to figure out what they were, we'd just change them. So here's another, another helpful tip. Kill the cue. Kill the cue. Sometimes instead of changing the routine, keeping the cue the same, keeping the reward the same, sometimes you just got to kill the cue, eliminate what's triggering that routine altogether. Like, what's causing you to take that drink? What's causing you to get on that website? What's causing you to text that person, buy those clothes, eat that food? Whatever it is, kill it. I read an article that said there's five chapters to a person's bad habit life chapter one, I fell in a hole. It took me a long time to get out. Chapter two, I fell in the same hole. It took me a long time to get out. Chapter three, I saw the hole, but I got too close. I fell in. It took me a long time to get out. Chapter four, I saw the hole. I I went around it. Chapter five, I went down a different road, right? Like, I, I ain't going down that path anymore. I always end up finding the hole. Quit dawdling down the path that leads to your demise. Yeah. Figure out the cue, kill it. Romans 13, 14. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, make no provision for the cue because if you give a dog a donut, right, if you give a moose a muffin, give a mouse a cookie am i the only one with kids you all need to figure <laughs> bad analogies i guess but uh if you know what tempts you stop putting yourself in the situation to end up falling in the hole yeah. sometimes you got to trick yourself because otherwise yourself is going to trick you you know schizophrenia much yes i do pastor i know I, everybody does uh we all do Science has proven that if you uh, set out your exercise clothes the night before you're supposed to go to the gym, you're more likely to go. Because you wake up, you're like, well, I either got to put them on or put them away. I'll just put them on. Dang it. You know, (laughs) stupid treadmill. I hate treadmill. So kill the cue. You know, freeze the credit cards, cancel the DirecTV, put filters on the computer, give your spouse access to the phone. Stop letting your life happen to you. You start happening to your life. Right. Stop going down the same road because it's not that big of a deal. Apparently, it is because it's causing you to uh, make bad decisions, not lead the life God's called you to lead. Write this down. Conduct is contagious. Conduct is contagious. Right habits plus wrong people does not equal lasting change. It's 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Your translation when I say bad company corrupts good character. Even if you don't trust the Bible the Harvard Medical School released a paper that showed when one person in your close circle of family or friends becomes obese, you are more than 300% likely to also become obese. Your odds of putting on weight triples when the people around you do that as well. Now, I'm not saying get rid of your friends because they put on some LBs, you know say, I'm saying? Like, that's, not, that's not helpful either. What I'm saying is uh, these researchers also proved that your odds of changing go up drastically when you commit to changing as a group, even when that group is as small as two people. That's biblical, and two or more are gathered in my name. You know, see what I'm saying? You say, no, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow. You pick me up on Tuesday. We're going to do this together. Because conduct is contagious, you need to get some positive peer pressure in your life. There's power in a pack of people. It's why I want you serving on a team. It's why I want you in a small group. Not because I need anything from you, because I want something for you. You see, what I'm saying it's like I know you're way less likely to make, uh, make a stupid decision on Saturday night when you got to get up early on Sunday. Right? I know you're way like, less likely to do something shady on Tuesday when you've got to go to a small group on Wednesday and tell people how your week was. Conduct is contagious, both for good or for bad. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future, because they're going to take you down a bad path if you're not willing to start making some changes in your life. Here's another big deal. Willpower is real willpower. Willpower is real power. I don't know how many of you have seen the uh, Stanford marshmallow test, but a group of researchers in Stanford back in the day uh, wanted to test this idea of willpower. So they brought in these young children, three, four, five years old, and they set them in a room. They set a marshmallow down in front of them. And they said, if you can wait until I come back in just a couple of minutes and not eat this marshmallow when I get back I'll give you two marshmallows and these are like the jumbo it's not like a little mini marshmallow okay it's a big good size marshmallow then the researcher would leave the room they'd they'd uh, get behind some you know d- uh, double glass mirror whatever with a video camera they'd video the kids uh, responses and these kids were struggling to not eat this marshmallow. Like dudes, would be picking up, smelling it. Like, like, like one kid like picked it up, licked the table. <laughs> <laughs> set the marshmallow back down. If you've never seen it, you gotta get on YouTube. It's hilarious to watch some of these kids like take a little bite on the bottom and set it down, and hope the researchers didn't notice that you took a little bit of a bite. Uh, a bite. But here's what they found when they came back and and uh, and analyzed these kids years later when these kids were in high school. Here's what they discovered. Uh, The kids who didn't eat the marshmallow initially, they had higher grades. They scored 210 points higher on their SAT. They were more popular with their peers. They did fewer drugs. That's the power of willpower. If you're a parent, you're trying to teach your kids anything, teach them willpower. That they don't have to get what they want right when they want it. You can delay some gratification. Trying to help your parents out. Who's, who's my parent? Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Don't give them everything. It's going to end up better for you and for them in the long run. Here's what the Bible says. Luke 16.10. If you are faithful in little things, you're going to be faithful in large ones. If you're faithful with one marshmallow, you're going to be faithful with two. Don't give in. God's got more for you waiting. Some of y'all are settling for garbage when God's got gold. And he's saying, what, why are you trifling in this mud puddle when i got an ocean out here waiting for you? Get rid of it. Willpower, real power. That being said, let me give you this last point. I'm going to explain it, and then I'll tell you what you can write down. Science has shown, research has shown, that the most powerful force driving any of your habits is craving. So, when your body craves something, when it sees a cue, it automatically craves the reward before it ever goes through the routine. Uh, Milliseconds, they've shown in science that you see the cake, you crave it in your mind, and you've already decided you're going to eat it before you actually make that decision in your mind. It's crazy. See also Pavlov's dogs, right? Ring the bell they start drooling. They crave the reward. So if for you, if your habit has been there long enough, your body craves the reward even before the routine takes place. Here's what that means. Your bad habits, they're a desire problem. They're a worship problem. In other words, you're worshiping the wrong thing. The Bible says God created you with eternity in your hearts and you're trying to fill it with external things and it never works. Eternal cannot get placed with, replaced with external. So here's how you can jot it down if you're taking notes. Choose Christ over cravings. You got to choose Christ over cravings. If you really want to make a difference in your life, if you want a different ending to your story, if you want to change your life, if you want to have a powerful, blessed, significant existence on this earth, you've got to choose Christ over cravings. A bad habit is simply worship gone wrong. You don't trust God enough to meet your needs. You need to help Him out a little bit because you know you, you know what you need and want in life. I can quote the philosopher, Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? You know, like how many of those good decisions have you really made in your life? Psalm thirty-four, one: I will bless the Lord at all times. Somebody say at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. uh, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The question in all of our hearts should always be, will this routine honor the Lord? Will this habit bring glory to God? Whatever you do in word or deed, do unto the Lord, not for man. This is about God. This is not about how you feel. This is about faith, not feelings. Do what brings glory to God. What better way to bring glory to God than obeying what he says? Bible says, if you love me, obey my commandments. So as we close on this baptism Sunday, let me ask you a question. What if baptism was the start of this obedience journey for you? What if the first step in ending this long streak of bad habits was for you today to say, I'm going to fully commit my life to following Christ. I'm going to choose him over all things. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to commit my life to Christ. And then I'm going to do what the Bible often said. And I'm just going to get baptized right after I uh, accept Christ into my life. Well, I didn't come prepared, Pastor. Oh, don't worry. We came prepared for you. We were expecting you this morning. We've got staff waiting in the back. They've got t-shirts, towels, shorts, anything that you could possibly need. Because we just feel like uh, if you don't have the willpower today, why would you have the willpower tomorrow? You know, if you can't choose Christ over cravings today, why would you choose Christ over cravings on a different day? You see what I'm saying? Today, we all get the opportunity to lay to rest our bad habits. We all get the opportunity to choose life over death. We all have the opportunity today to say, today is the day that I'm gonna change my life. I'm gonna kill the cues. I'm gonna replace the bad habits with good habits. I'm gonna I'm not gonna look back on my life anymore. I'm starting to look towards the future. I'm shifting into manual overdrive. I've got a three on the tree. It's called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if God is for me, who can be against me? You see what I'm saying? Like like I'm gonna do whatever it takes to follow God with my whole heart and surrender my life because I want to know where he's taking me. And I promise you what he's got is way better than what you got. He wants to help you. He wants to change your life. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. No temptation has seized me except what's common to man. And God has given me a way to get out of the temptation. This is what is at stake for you. This is what the Bible teaches for you. I apologize, the inner Pentecostal came out. Sometimes I forget to put my seatbelt on before I preach, but like, this is the greatest news in the history of the world. You don't, have to, you don't have to stay where you are. You know, I'm not where I want to be, but praise God, I ain't where I used to be. Like I'm working at it every single day. And, I, and I'm just asking a hypothetical question for you. Well, what if the next step for you is baptism? What if you decided today, you know what? Today, you're right, Pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm going to commit my life to Christ. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and get baptized because I feel like that's what I need to do. We, like I said, came prepared for you. I'd encourage you in just a few moments. We're going to pray. Go to the back. Talk to the staff back there, but every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to to baptized, you can join the other eight people that have already signed up to do it. Just head back there to Connection Corner. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and gather in this place. We're thankful for each person that's here. God, I believe that you are trying to draw people to yourself even right now in this moment. I trust that there are people that have come this morning who have never placed their hope in you. If that's you this morning, the Bible says if you confess uh, in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So I would just encourage you right now to pray this prayer with me, not because there's magic in the prayer, but because God wants you to acknowledge that He is going to become Lord of your life. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned, But I believe in Jesus that He died for me. That He's risen from the dead. And because of that, I'm made new. God, thank You for saving me. Help me commit my life to You. God, I just ask You to continue speaking to people in this place we know that not all habits are bad habits but sometimes you ask us to change so i'm just asking you to do what only you can do and encourage people whoever needs some change in their life i just ask you to help them make those decisions lead them to where they need to change draw them closer to yourself We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. While they sing this last song, if you signed up to be baptized, go ahead and wake your way out to the back and you can meet me behind this curtain.